something you've been putting off. Maybe you say, someday I'll do that, or when I have more time. Whether the item is a big bucket list item or something smaller like going on a hike, now is the time to start your Say Yes list. And we have the perfect process to help you turn these items into reality. Join thousands of others with our free Say Yes list template at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. It'll help you stop living in that someday and start making those list items come true today. So download it now at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. Welcome to the Say Yes Experience podcast, where we inspire you to get out of your comfort zone and into possibility. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. If you're new here, welcome. We're thrilled you're here. I'm Jessica Rector. I co-founded the Say Yes Experience with my then nine-year-old son, Blaze, based off his idea to let's just say yes to things. I'm one of the top experts on burnout, and companies and conferences hire me to present on mental health, wellness, and burnout prevention. As a number one best-selling author of 11 books, keynote speaker, and a burnout specialist, I've seen so much with our clients. The Say Yes Experience was started to help you really start living, to do the things that light you up, have more fun, and turn your dreams of what we call Say Yes list items into reality. So thank you for investing in yourself and being here. Now let's make it happen. Imagine a mistake. A tragedy that happened when you were in your 20s, following you around for the rest of your life. How do you heal and recover from it? How do you learn from that and decide to change your life? Brian Kelly didn't set out to make a difference, but every day he's radically doing that. He went from serving a life sentence to a CEO impacting the lives of thousands. Find out how he said yes to transforming his life and how executives from some of the biggest companies around the world say yes to spending time in prison. Please help me welcome my guest today, Brian Kelly. Thanks for joining us, or what I like to call Triple D. Yeah. So Triple D, where did I get that name? Let's go back to that. Where'd that start? I'm not exactly sure. I think it was, you said one time, like dirty deeds, uh, dirty deeds. And somehow it went from double D to triple D. I don't I'm know. I'm so hurt. You don't remember. We did a lip syncing contest in I prison in which you sang bad medicine. And I don't I know remember. how it got switched back to me, but uh, you are bad medicine, my friend. Yes, yes. I do remember bad medicine and a lip syncing contest, which I won, by the way. Of course, of course. Yes, 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 yes. Which brings me to we met in prison. That was the first time ever meeting. However, it's probably not what people think. And your story does kind of really start in prison. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, my story does start in prison. I'm going to go back to the day we met. So we did meet in prison and we both got to go home that day. So that that was a really big day. Jessica, you're so right. My story does involve prison on many different layers. Uh, I have experienced it as a volunteer. I have experienced it as a uh, as a teacher, as a mentor, but I've also experienced it from the inside out as an inmate. Matter of fact, I did almost 22 years in prison, 21 years, eight months and one day, roughly oh. speaking. Uh, so I, I'm pretty familiar with what goes on on the inside, especially in Texas prisons. And uh, 
golly, that was a, a section of my life. I wasn't sure it was ever going to end. I actually had a life sentence. And so I was completely dependent upon parole to get out. Uh, fortunately, I made parole on my 13th time up. And, uh, and so now I'm out here living the dream. And so let's be real transparent here. You are not the same person today that you were when you went in prison. Totally different person, totally transformed yourself while in prison. Now, I know people may be thinking, okay, what did he do to get in prison? Because I think that's just where human brains naturally go. Okay, what happened? What was the situation? And especially with something as a life sentence around prison, people want to know what did he do that landed him in prison and for so long? So share a little bit with us about what you did to actually end up in prison. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I had a murder case and I was given a life sentence for murder in 1992. That was the godless fruit of uh, a life that was dependent upon all the wrong things for sustenance, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And I found out that those are all empty, although I uh, I ladled those on uh, with, uh, with as much as I could. And um uh, I was living in Dallas, uh, you know, all about the party scene, the nightclubs, got into cocaine, smoking cocaine. Life was miserable. I, I'd spun out of control, had hawked everything I'd owned, lost my job, was about to lose my apartment, was uh, driving a car that I wasn't sure could get me across the road. Relationships had fallen apart. I was just in a really miserable, uh, desperate spot. And uh, the only thing that I uh, sought for any level of escape was cocaine. And so I ended up killing my connection, my cocaine connection over an ounce of cocaine. He was actually a friend of mine. My life had sunk to that level. I took a knife to to use his leverage to, to rob him of the cocaine. It went horribly uh, wrong. And uh, shortly thereafter, criminal justice system took its course. I was arrested, taken to trial and given a life sentence. Uh, a lot of people are always asking me, but you're out now. So it wasn't a true life sentence at that time in Texas. A uh, life sentence was considered 60 years. And so you could actually parole a life sentence with good behavior, mm -hmm. with transformation. I think that's a key part of that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, in the fullness of time, you know, almost 22 years later, I was able to sell my transformation and what I'd done to parole. I think they saw the change uh, that you spoke of earlier. And so I get, I got a second chance at life and I'm out here trying to make the best of that. But BK, I don't think that you were selling anything. I think you were just sharing your truth and in sharing your truth. And I think that's a really key word because you said the word sell and in, immediately people may think of, you know, a sleazy, you know, car used car salesman or something like that. You weren't really selling yourself. You were sharing what had transpired in prison and the changes that you had made and you were telling your truth at that specific time, and they could see the transformation. You know, that's fair. And I, and I think you're right. Matter of fact, that time that I, I came up for parole, I mentioned it was my 13th time up. I had just cleared the 20 year mark and the parole commissioner was telling me all of a sudden what parole was going to look like for me when I got out. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is telling me I'm making parole my life since. Oh my gosh. And so at the end, uh, he said, uh, son, do you have any questions? 
And I just, I said, yes, sir, I've got one. And he said, what is it? And I said, will you give me parole next year? And he said, I, I don't understand. What? Are you asking me to stay in prison for another year after doing 20? And I said, yeah, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, why? I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Why would right? you do that? No one asked that. <laughs> Nobody asked that. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to go through the prison entrepreneurship program. But the only way that I can do that is if you give me a hard release date for next year. Otherwise, I've got too much time to be housed on that unit. And so uh, that's that's what I need from you. And he stared at me, Jessica, I bet for 60 seconds without blinking. And he finally just said, let me look into that. And he gave me exactly what I asked for. I bargained for an extra year in prison to go through the program that I'm now saturated in. Well, and and no one asked for that. No, no one says, give me another year in prison for any reason. So we're going to get to PEP in just a few minutes. But I want I want you to share with us what happened, what transpired while you were in prison that really created that change. Sure. So when I uh, when I was incarcerated in 1992, I went to one of the largest <coughs> units in Texas and Palestine. It was about 4,000 men, young demographic, fighting like crazy, having riots. It was just ridiculous. And um, so I was trying to acclimate into prison, fighting alongside them. Was on a ride on the wreck yard, didn't even know why. And one day, a friend of mine that I'd come to know instead of prison invited me to a prison ministry called Kairos, which is a Greek term for God's special time. And I said, I don't even know what that is. And he said, Don't worry, it's four days of home cooked meals. And I said, Sign me up because yeah. the food here is terrible. And I went there to get fed, and I got fed a lot more than I bargained for. So Kairos is, uh, the model is 42 Christian men, multi-denominational, come into prison for four days to impact 42 hand-selected inmates. And we have mm. a series of talks and small group processing and, and things like that. And so this Lutheran preacher who had went to college very near my hometown befriended me and won my trust. To that point, I had never admitted to anybody that was guilty of my crime. And being around those men of the light, man, I just couldn't carry it anymore. I couldn't carry that darkness. And so I pulled him aside and I said, I need to tell you something. And I puked out everything. I told him about the whole crime scene, what I did, my guilt, my shame. And I just, I was, I was a mess. And he listened to me so patiently. He said, oh, Brian, he said, I am so incredibly honored that mm. you would share that with me first. He said, I, I get how important that is. Now, I want to tell you something. I forgive you. Mm. And I melted. I was a mud puddle. I, I just I fell apart because I never dreamed, Jessica, that anybody would uh, tell me those words. Mm. And he let me get it back together. And he said, you know, Brian, although I forgive you, and that's true, you need to ask God to forgive you. And guess what? He will. And I said, you know, Keith, I get your point, but I can't. And he said, I don't understand. Why not? And I said, I know I don't deserve it. I deserve this. Mm. Or worse, I, you know, I'll take my medicine. And he got this smile on his face and he actually chuckled a little bit. And he said, wow, I didn't realize when I came here this weekend, I was going to meet somebody that was smarter than God. Wow. And I said, well, hold up. I didn't say that. He said, you sure did. You admitted that um, if you let go of this, you give it to him. Uh, he could forgive you for that. But of course, you know how to handle this better than he does. How has that played out in your life? Right. 
And I'm like, well, you know, it hasn't. I don't know how to live. He goes, exactly, Brian. Mm -hmm. You're never going to have any joy, peace, purpose, love, hope in your life until you let go and you give this to him. Mm -hmm. He knows it anyway. Why are you trying to hold it back? And so that May 28, 1994, just broken and spilled out with nothing but broken pieces in my hand. I just said it here. You take it. I can't do anything with it. And I found out that day that God can turn broken pieces into a masterpiece. Absolutely. So what did it take for you to forgive yourself for it? You know, that uh, that's that's been a process. And, and to some extent, to a small extent, I think it's still happening. Uh, but I will tell you what, that day, if you look at me the next day, I probably didn't look that much different, but I knew I was on a different path. So Love I went it. back to school, earned a bachelor's degree in psychology. I went, got Woo! into recovery. I've been in recovery for over 30 years now. I haven't had a drink or a drug in over 23. Wow. Uh, so I, you know, I became a peer educator. I helped tutor guys in college. I was leading Bible studies. I was having men's groups in prison. I was tutoring men. So I all of a sudden, it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about how high I could get or yeah. what kind of escapades I could go on. I was trying to see what I could add to the fabric of life. And so it was on a completely different plane. It's a different and total psychic change. Uh, so I knew something was different, right. uh, but it's been a process. And I think forgiving self is something that it creeps back in from time to time. And so it's just been a journey and it's been, it's been a roller coaster. But it's so interesting because you've probably said to other people, I forgive you for things similar to what you've done or things that they were in prison for. But yet you're not saying that all the time for yourself. Like, I forgive you and it's in the past. We're moving on. I've not only transformed myself, but I can continue to create change and transformation in others. But yet that, uh, forgiveness is coming and going. So why is it easier to forgive other people, but not yourself? And that pertains to us all in life, right? We're, we're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And why is that? Because we embrace other people. We put our arms around them, say, we love you. Like you're doing awesome. Like, look at all the amazing ways that you've helped other people. But yet we don't do that for ourselves. You know, I was going to say, I think that is the human condition. I've seen that play out in hundreds, if not thousands of the guys that I work with, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I, I'll, I'll do some things and realize, you know, I'm, I'm not the same person. I'm doing something completely different with a different mindset, with a different heart yes. set. And then all of a sudden I'll get that fear. What if I'm still, you know, same guy? Oh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, and I get caught up in that cycle. And I've got to constantly remind myself, hey, I'm a different person doing things for different reasons. I'm going to stay on that path. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I mentioned that I hadn't had a drink or a drug in 23 years. There are still times when the idea pops back up in my mind. You know, you can have a drink now. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Let's play that, that reel out a little bit and see how that ends. And it never ends well, right? And so I have to remind myself mm. of multiple things. And, and one is that I'm forgiven, that I can bring quality yes. to happiness and value to this life. So that's a constant reminder. I've got to say yes at times. Yes, yes, you do. And also the reminder that you are doing it, not just that you can do it, 
because your words is I can do that, but that you are doing it on a continual basis. And one of the things you recently did is that you met up with the family for those that were affected by the murder, met up with that family. I don't know the proper way to say that. So, you know, forgive me, but you met up with the family of the man you murdered. And how did that feel? Yeah, that was, wow, what a seminal moment. And uh, I want to be completely respectful of those family members. I met with uh, uh, the two daughters of the, of the man that I killed, and I took so many things from them when mm. I did that. I forever um, tied them to murder and crime and criminality and, and fatherlessness and poverty and just all of these cascading things. And yeah. I've devastated their lives and that of uh, their extended family. And so I wanted to go back and give them any answers that I could and and just make sure that they had a, a clear picture of uh, what happened and even in the why. I mean, it's senseless, no yeah. doubt, but I wanted them to understand, you know, um, how it can happen. And I wanted to hopefully give some so, some semblance of healing to them. Uh, and, and it was an amazing uh, time. We had about a five and a half hour mediation. I got to answer a lot of their questions. Uh, uh, super tough time, too. But I will tell you this. Uh, probably nothing more fulfilling uh, for me to realize that I leaned into the greatest pain that I've caused anybody and tried to do what I could yes. uh, to be a soothing balm. I, I can't fix it, but I can uh, at least try yes. to apply um, and take a little bit of the pain away. Do you want to start saying yes, but you just don't know where to start? And oftentimes when we don't know where to start, we just don't start. So we created an ebook just for you. We put together 101 ways to say yes in this ebook. Ideas, big and small, things that only take a small amount of time, like one to two minutes. Whether you're saying yes to yourself, in your family, relationships, or pushing yourself a lovingly outside of your comfort zone with adventures. It's all made to really help you become more of your rock star self. So you can get this ebook at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. So if you want to start saying yes, or maybe you need some ideas on how to say yes, because you get so caught up in being busy and doing tasks and projects, or doing laundry and cooking that the time flies by and you want to spend time with your family, but you just don't know how to say yes. Those ideas just don't come to you. We put it together to make it super, super easy for you. So go to thesayyesexperience.com forward slash book to get your copy today and start saying yes now. Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or burned out? We get it. You're not alone. In fact, according to our research, 79% of the workforce is in burnout and almost half are in extreme burnout. In fact, it's the number one reason why people are leaving organizations. They're burned out. They're looking for something more. They're looking for something better. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have your solution. It's called Blaze Your Brain to Extinguish Burnout. 52 Keys to Prevent Breakthrough and Eliminate Burnout. 
You can find your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Now, this is a great tool that you can use with yourself, with your colleagues, within your organization. Everyone can get one and you can go through one a week with them. And at the end, you can say, what was something that worked this week? What was the success you had? So you can champion and encourage each other. You can also ask what were the challenges and issues that came up so you can mastermind and brainstorm around those to keep those from coming up in the future. So make sure you get your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. Talk about being uncomfortable. Talk about leaning into discomfort. But the amazing thing that comes out of something like that when we lean into the discomfort is walking through that pain and you, you can't change what happened, but giving them some sort of healing, some sort of peace, if you will, around that healing. And you were only able to do do that because you leaned into being uncomfortable and that discomfort. And oftentimes people shy away from that and say, no, that doesn't feel good. And if it doesn't feel good, I don't want to do it. But in the process of that discomfort of leaning into the uncomfortability, you grow and you flourish and you're also helping those, those kids along the way. You know, that was one of those moments. I mean, I'd already made parole. I was already out. I was doing well. When the opportunity presented itself to me, there's an offshoot of the Texas prison system that does that. They've got professionals who mediate such things. And and they basically came up and told me, said, Brian, you don't have to do this, right? You can say no for any reason or even no reason. But there is a responsibility there. And I think Mm -hmm. I had to say yes. And I wanted to say yes. And it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but I think it was also, um, I, I don't know, it was just the right thing to do. But and I think in some ways, VK, that it wasn't just a healing process for them. It can't help but heal you in some way as well. But there was definitely a burden lifted. Uh, I don't think it's completely wiped away, but there was definitely a burden lifted. And I'll tell you, a couple of things happened during the course of that that I really didn't expect is I have such a tremendous amount of respect for those two young ladies. And and they haven't, you know, just in life, like just like in life, they haven't come through this unscathed, but they are so strong and they're so uh, uh, passionate and they are so uh, amazing in their own right. And so that was something that I got to see and really cling to because there was a big question mark in my mind, you know, what had happened to uh, his children. And yeah. I think, so th- there was a piece of a burden that was lifted. And, but I also got to see how God can move amazingly through super difficult catastrophes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said to the parole board, Give me an extra year in prison, which again, no one ever says, because you wanted to be part of PEP, this program that really has then changed the trajectory of your life. So what is PEP and what did it do for you? Why did you want to stay in prison an extra year to be a part of it? You know, it was amazing because of all of my self-work, because of the transformation that happened in me and the way I was uh, pouring into others. In 2007, uh, Prison Entrepreneurship Program, or PEP, 
invited me to be a peer educator for that program to be effectively an inside shepherd, help them in, put their business plans together, their pitches together to orchestrate events and, and to lead classes. Uh, uh, and it was just an amazing application of my education, everything I had come to uh, learn to do in life and the way I wanted to give back. Because at that time, Jessica, I didn't know if I would ever get out of prison. And so Very my much. application of self into PEP in 2007 was overwhelming. I'm like, this is it. This is the way I can give back. This is the way I can make my life worth something, mm. even in prison, even if I never give, get out of prison. And so that first class that I really invested in during their graduation ceremony, it's a really emotional moment anyway. I know you've shared yeah. many of those moments with us. You know, I was crying. Everybody else around me was crying, but I was bawling. And uh. it, it was for our men that I've invested in for sure, but it was also for me because mm. I never dreamed that I would be aligned with such incredible people making a difference in this world, such high caliber people, and be counted amongst their number. Yeah. I never dreamed I would be in that position again. And so I'm balling. And I remember crying out to God saying, I don't ever want to leave mm. uh, people just like this ever again. Continue to surround me with different make difference makers. Now look whose podcast I'm on. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> He's still answering the question, right? <laughs> he is, he is. But what's interesting is you go into prison, you get this, a 60-year term, you're not planning on getting out until you're in your 80s. And so being a part of PEP also allowed you to see that purpose bigger than yourself, that you're here for something bigger than yourself, and then how you can use that to then inspire and help and create that change and other people. So once you got out of prison, you were part of the PEP program, you got out of prison, you started still pouring into people through PEP program. How are, how do you continue to do that? So a, a piece that I probably left out there is I got to be a peer educator at first. I didn't start out going through the program, but I got to see it behind the curtain, if you will. And then it got stripped away. We moved to a unit that they wouldn't allow me to go to because I had too much time to be housed there. And I did what I call seven years in the, in, in the jungle or back in the wilderness. And I was a little upset with God. I remember crying out and saying, why would you let me taste something so good and then strip it away from me? You know, mm. I'm, I'm mad about that. Uh, in the fullness of time, I was able to swing a deal with parole and say, hey, give me an extra year so I can go through PP as a participant. Mm. And, uh, and that's what he gave me. And I got to do that. It was fantastic. I was blown away. I developed a business plan on the inside, a nonprofit. We got to meet uh, some incredible volunteers like you. And then uh, I went to the PP Transitional House when I finally got out after almost 22 years. And and then about 30 days out, PEP offered me a job as a case manager, helping men get out and get on their feet. And I said, what in the heck do I know about that? I've been locked up 22 years. And they said, you're doing great. Show them what you're doing. Wow. So, so how was life once you got out? I mean, even in those 30 days before you were offered that job, 22 years, so much changes in 22 years. How was life? How was the transition for you after 22 years? Because you also went from your 20s to your 40s. I had never Googled anything. I had never sent an email. I've never used a debit card, a cell phone, a credit card. Wow. Yeah, you know, the internet. Oh my God, it boggled my mind. 
And and I was overwhelmed. Over, yes, technology wore me out. And I was just intimidated. I'd lost the pace of life out here. It's mm. a different pace inside of prison, right? It's yeah. slow as molasses in wintertime. And out here, it's 90 miles an hour. And I remember my first few days in freedom, even though I was on a monitor, I could go out during the day and I grabbed a bicycle from the transitional house. And I was just out roaming around. I was on a street corner. And I felt like the most free person in Dallas because I didn't know if I was turning right, left, or going straight. I was making it up at every corner. And I was I was sitting there waiting one day. I looked at all these cars rushing by, doing 50, 60 miles an hour. Everybody's looking at their phone, tied to their schedule, going to the next meeting. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, these people are in prison, and I'm free. Wow. You know, there was a juxtaposition, and so I was blown away. It took a long time to to really uh, acclimate to the, the speed of society. And another great example is second day out, I went to my first lunch uh, on my own. Uh, another guy who just gotten out, he and I went to, we went to the uh, subway to go get lunch at lunch hour and it was packed. So I want you to think about that for 22 years, I would go through a chow hall line. I was given a tray. I had no choices whatsoever. Wow. I had one, uh, two choices, eat or don't eat. That was it. Right. And I would sit down, same thing to drink, whatever. When you go through Subway, it's what kind of sandwich do you want? What kind of bread do you want? What kind of meat do you want? What what fixings do you want? And, and it was just bombarding on yes. me like, like a fire hose. And I was just overwhelmed. I felt the pressure. People are behind me. I didn't know what to say. There was too much to read. And I just, I, I melted down. I said, just, just everything. And the, the young lady was like, what do you mean everything? I'm like, just everything. Just put everything on it. And she looked at me and she's like, wow, this guy's tripping. And I, I just wanted out of there. I didn't care what was on that sandwich. And so finally I went down to the end and they had all the cups stacked up. And uh, the young lady asked me, you know, what would you like to drink? And I saw the dispenser over here. I saw the cups. I, I, I just, I'd had enough. And I said, I don't want anything to drink. She goes, you got a foot long sandwich. You don't want anything to drink. I said, no. She goes, okay. And so I went over, I was eating it. And I got caught in my mouth and my friend said, why didn't you get something to drink? And I said, I didn't know how it went. I said, when I got locked up, you you ordered a large Coke. They gave you a large Coke. And now they got cups and dispensers. And yeah, I don't know how it goes. Mm. And so there's so many things lost in that amount of time. It there is it takes time to reacclimate to society and the speed. Yeah. And it's like going into a, literally a whole, whole different world. And it's interesting just when you were talking about standing on the corner and you going, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going straight or right or left, but you also had the freedom of choice at that point that you could choose whichever way you wanted to go. You had nowhere to be and nothing to do. You had the freedom of choice. And sometimes we overlook that, right? The freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want. And as you said, when people are meeting and meeting and they got to go to work and you got to do this, Sometimes that feels like a prison. Sometimes you feel locked up that your whole day is planned for you and you don't have all those choices readily available that you can say, I want to go straight or I want to go left. It's like, nope, you got to go here. You got to be here. You got to do this. So I love that analogy for us all to think about, like how our days are even structured and how much freedom we have in our day and how can we 
maybe tweak our days a little bit so we can create more freedom for ourselves and not feel like we're locked up even in our own environment in the world that we're living in outside of freedom. So what are you, what are you doing now with PEP? Because I know that you came and they said, hey, come and be a caseworker, come and work for us. But so much has changed. You've grown so much within PEP. So share with us just really quickly what you're doing now and how things have changed in that length of time since you've been out. Yeah, I've been out almost uh, nine years. I started out as a case manager, helping men just like me, and that morphed into property management over a couple of our transitional houses, uh, going inside, teaching classes, being over the reentry team. And, you know, the more I dove in, the more responsibilities were ladled on me. And then at some point, I switched over to development and started doing volunteer recruitment, engagement, coordination, event management, uh, fundraising, and some things like that. So after about four years or so, uh, maybe five, uh, my CEO came to me and he said, hey, I'm thinking about um, off-ramping and the governing board has asked me to put together a short list of people uh, to be my potential successor. Would you uh, be against being on that short list? And I said, Bert, I, you know, I've not, I don't have the skill sets to do that. I'm not qualified for that position. And I said, I've never even had a job longer than a year until this one, right? And uh, he kind of smiled and he said, yeah. well, you know, whatever you feel like you're lacking in qualifications, I'd say you're really well positioned, you know, and uh, nobody knows the, the program anymore. Sure. Than you. You, you experience it from every angle. Yeah. You've got the DNA, you're, you can be a spokesperson. Uh, we, we can, we can figure out how to fortify those weaknesses. And so I accepted that offer and was given the position. Now been in that role for about four years as CEO. Yeah. Been an amazing journey. And I think that was another fine example of even though I was uncomfortable, I was uncertain, I was scared. Mm-hmm. There was fear there. It's like, you know, am I going to ruin the thing I love the most? And uh, that was one of those moments when you just said yes. Yes. And look at all the lives that you continue to change and transform and taking PEP to a whole nother level. So I love all that you've done within yourself. And in addition to that, all the lives that you've touched, all the inspiration that you've given to so many others and how you help so many men within PEP recognize that they're not defined by their history, that they can create their own story, that a mistake you made or a bad situation doesn't then dictate your character or who you are. You have the power within you to change that and to create a new story and a new life for yourself. So what is it that you really want to leave people knowing or doing that they can create that change in their own life? You know, I have surrounded myself, Jessica, with people who speak life into me, who affirm me, who give me wise counsel, who check me when I'm wrong, who hold me accountable. And that's that positive community that I submerge myself in now and and refuse to leave. Something I didn't have before prison. I was an island. I isolated. I wanted to go places and get high and do things for me. But now I realize I'm a part of a collective whole. And so the more I'm an integral part of that whole, whether it's my family, whether it's my uh, uh, my organization, whether it's the people that I surround myself uh, with, I need to be a part of that. And, mm-hmm. and I need to take the lumps that I need to take uh, from time to time to do that. But there is just an enrichment 
and being submerged in community, a positive community like that, that I never knew before. And so, you know, I am no longer willing to do without my people, my tribe, right? Yeah. That, that I want to keep around me. And I now I work beside them. I, I get to go into prison and recruit more. I've got folks at my church. I've got folks in different places out here in my family. You know, we're putting together a tribe of transparency and accountability and love and, and commitment. And we're here to take over the nation. So the only question question is, are you with us or are against us? Oh, with you. We're with you. We're with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all with you. So thank you so much for being here, Brian, and for sharing your story and for all the impact that you continue to make and the big difference in the lives of thousands of people. And if you want to go and check out PEP, make sure Prison Entrepreneurship Program. Tell us the website, Brian, BK. PEP.org. Pretty simple. Yes, PEP.org. Go and check it out and see how you can get involved because it is a life-changing, transformational program. You can go and volunteer with business plans, volunteer inside prison. And let me tell you, when you enter prison as a volunteer, you will not leave as the same person. You will connect and get to hear people's stories and it will be transformational in your life too. So I know you've gotten so many great juicy nuggets from Brian Kelly. So tell us in the comments, what was your biggest takeaway and how you can learn to forgive yourself so you can continue to create that change and make sure that the mistake and the things in your past don't continue to define you. We'll see you next one. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. Are you ready to move to your next level of rockstar greatness? CFO, Chief Fun Officer, number one best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Blaze Rector, is ready to help you do that. At just 10 years old, he's already written two number one best-selling books. Through the power of storytelling, he uses lessons learned and shares strategies, tips, tactics, and tools to inspire, empower, and motivate you to live a more amazing life. So if you're ready to do that in your own life, grab a copy of his number one best-selling books at justcorrector.com forward slash store. And when you order your copies, he will personally autograph them and write you a message on those books before shipping them out to you to really inspire and empower you in your life. These books are great for adults, and kids alike. So if you're ready to move to your next level of rockstar greatness, make sure you grab your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Enjoy those amazing, empowering, transformational books. Did you know that the two biggest issues impacting the workforce are mental health and burnout? Well, we have your solution. The more that you feel burned out, the more it impacts your mental health. The more your mental health is impacted, the more it leads to burnout. So it's a vicious cycle that goes around and around, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can help them both if you're intentional and strategic with it. We have lots of resources for you at justcorrector.com forward slash store. One that I want to highlight that really enhances your mental health is Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action. Now, research shows that 80% of your thoughts are negative. No matter how positive you feel, it's the pattern and the habit that you've developed over the course of years, over the course of decades. And that can often impact your life, how you show up, how you lead, how you communicate, how you engage, whether at work or at home. And then it also impacts 
a work environment. All you need is one NN or TT, negative Nancy or toxic Tim to really impact that work environment. So if you are ready to enhance your mental health, get your copy of Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action today at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. Thank you so much for being here. Check us out at thesayyesexperience.com. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. With your help in sharing our podcast, we can do that. Follow us on all social media at the Say Yes Experience and join our free community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Say Yes Experience. Thank you again to our guests. You can find all the contact information for our guests in the show notes. Thank you to our CFO, Chief Fund Officer, Blaze Rector, our business advisor, Lisa Verhurek, and to our team at Jessica Rector Enterprises. We look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Have an amazing day and keep being a rock star. Oh, 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 oh